Good day, everyone, and welcome to today's College Sports Communicators live webinar. We are pleased to offer this session on utilizing web and social media analytics to make data-driven decisions. Thank you for joining this important session as we discuss ways to assist CSC members in all areas of using social media data mining and analytics to give you key insights into your audience so you can learn what kind of content they like, when they want to see it, and where they spend their time online. Our presenters are leaders in the college and pro communications and digital space, and they're here to offer their thoughts and expertise and to take your questions. We welcome your questions at any time. Just place them in the Q&A function of this Zoom. You can use the chat function to comment, but please use the Q&A channel for your questions. I'm Liza Kravitz, Assistant Director of Athletic Communications at Georgetown University, and I will serve as the webinar moderator. As a reminder, we are recording this webinar and later on the CSC website and YouTube pages will have it available on demand. We will also offer it on numerous podcast channels. Please invite fellow current CSC and NACDA colleagues to listen and watch as well. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get started. So for today, our panelists, we are joined by Felicia Short, Assistant AD for Communications and Athletic Diversity and Inclusion Designee at Queens University, Sam Nihon, Senior Associate Commissioner and Chief Communications Branding Officer at the Sunbelt Conference, and Chris Jones, who works in digital and social content for the New York Red Bulls. So some of the content we are going to go over is collecting data, analyzing the data, and then using that data. Um, so we will start off with Felicia Short about going about collecting data. Thank you, Eliza. Um, I'd like to start off just by saying, um, with our transition, we recently transitioned to Division I here at Queens University of Charlotte. And prior to our transition, we were collecting the data from our social media accounts um, just through the typical analytics that you can get from each, each platform. So your TikTok analytics, your Instagram analytics, um, we were using the Meta Business Suite a lot of times to pull the analytics ourselves. But we were all doing that um, just by hand and um, putting it in the charts ourselves and in the spreadsheets ourselves. But um, with the transition, we wanted to really be intentional about using social media to help build our brand. And it just also happened to coincide with our um, business school creating a data analytics program. And so we partnered with them to um, figure out how to really use the data analytics to our benefit as we continue to grow our brand and um, spread more brand awareness for Queens University of Charlotte. And so um, the first thing we had to do was be able to pull data to get to them so that they could analyze it. And um, the way we were doing it just wasn't efficient. And so um, we started looking for ways to be more efficient about it, looking for um, options to outsource it. And um, we ended up landing on Sprout and um, we got an account with Sprout and for a whole year, we let Sprout collect all of our data. And um, at the end of it, we were able to able to spit out some of the Excel sheets that Sprout gives you. And, you know, we, we did not do the most expensive um, option from Sprout just, you know, for budgetary reasons. But um, with us having the business school partner partnership, we were able to get what we could out of there and then kind of use them to analyze the data for us. And so, um, 
So it spit out things like impressions and the times that we post and for each of our accounts and things like that so that they could then take our data and analyze it and give us things like what's the, t what's the best time to post, um, what's the best content to post and things like that, so. Um, and then if no one has any questions, I'm not seeing any questions about the data collecting, we can move over to Sam um, and how that data was analyzed and then put into um, effect. Yeah, thank you, Eliza. Um, so I've spent most of my career in, in conference offices, so maybe a little different than, than a lot of people on the call who maybe work on campus. Um, but really, I think all of this is applicable across both, you know, campus conference and even professional sports as well as we're going to hear from Chris later. Um, but really kind of the what I've kind of taken is my approach to social media or, you know, data analytics um, for the website as well. Um, every time I've gotten somewhere is really taking a look and evaluating what you're already doing. So um, kind of that first piece is, you know, going and getting whatever back data you can. Um, and looking at, hey, these are the projects that we're doing on a weekly, monthly, annual basis um, and seeing what's working and what's not. So um, I think, you know, we're all cognizant of, you know, the the constant changing landscape that we deal with in communications in, in social media, especially. Um, and you have to continuously evaluate, you know, what projects are working, what isn't. Um, and really, you know, that what isn't is an opportunity to look at at that time spent and in, in the investment in those um, items and really reevaluate, hey, how can we reevaluate and, and reinvest that time somewhere else? So we all have a lot on our plate in, in athletic communications, um, in social media, um, in digital. And the reality is, you know, you can't necessarily always add something without taking something away. So um, looking at what maybe isn't working, what, you know, isn't getting the numbers that it, that it may be used to, you know, obviously some things work great. And then two, three years down the line, they're not, they're not, you know, drawing the, the engagement from your fans, the interest from your fans. I mean, it's time to reevaluate if that's something you want to continue committing the time and the resources to moving forward. Um, and then also, you know, if you do decide to, to transition away from doing something that opens up that time to, to be used for something else. So um, that's something that I've done and that, you know, places I've worked have done, throughout my career um, here at the Sunbelt, we we really took a look at, hey, how are we going to grow our social media engagement? And some of that was, hey, we're going to transition some of our time over to making and creating additional um, social media content. Um, so that meant, you know, maybe doing a little bit less for the website or doing things in a more strategic way for the website, rather than making, you know, 10 pages of game notes for for a, uh, you know, football weekend or a basketball weekend, we're creating the five or six key storylines um, and using that on our website and then also being able to repurpose those for graphics on social media. So that's something that my staff has done here. And then I would say one thing in analyzing the data is also being cognizant of, you know, social media is not the only option. Um, there are other places where that time and, you know, that time could be more well spent potentially. Um, I'll give a couple examples of just from places I've worked in my career. Um, one of the things we committed to doing when I worked at the Ivy League was creating highlights that went we were able to upload directly into the ESPN app. Um, so we were able to get, you know, 10 times the viewership probably on those videos natively in the ESPN app, even though that wasn't on one of our own channels. You know, it wasn't on our our website or our social media, but that was something that our staff committed time to because of the of the data, of the reality, of the number of viewers we'd be able to capture by doing that. 
Um, similarly here at the Sun Belt, you know, some things that we've done is, you know, currently we uh, contribute storylines to um, our broadcast. So we uh, work with Jordan Harris on our staff, who's our director of broadcasting. He creates graphics that we then are able to send out to each of our campuses to be utilized in our ESPN Plus broadcast, which is obviously um, a very large audience um, for some of our sports. Um, so that's an, a, an opportunity for us to capture a greater audience than maybe we would have on our website or social media. So I think thinking outside the box and realizing that, you know, social media or the website aren't the only options. There are some other places um, that can, you can get great numbers and great viewership on, on the work that you do. Sam, if you want to go into some specifics of the things that the data has shown that has really worked, and then also just some of the specifics that has shown that it hasn't worked at all. No, absolutely. I think, you know, certain things that we we have discontinued um, would be, um, you know, weekly PDF notes was something that we got rid of when I was at the Ivy League. That was something that had been done for a long time, and it was something we were doing for a variety of sports. And we were able to look at the website data, view how, how many people were viewing those on a weekly basis, which was a very low number, you know, under 100. Um, so that was taking a significant amount of staff time. Um, and by removing that and, and not doing that anymore, we were able to create, you know, a different kind of how to watch series that we did for each sport um, that was better viewed on our website and then also could be repurposed into social media content as well. Um, so that was a big driver of additional social media content for us was taking that time we had previously been using on, you know, weekly game notes for women's soccer or volleyball and moving that into, you know, website content and then social media content. And then I think, um, you know, certainly obviously video is, is huge. Video is a, a key component to our strategy here at the Sun Belt. Now we're fortunate to have a director of creative video on our staff that we're able to work with to, to get video content. Um, but obviously we only have one of those. So then it is prioritizing. How do we prioritize his time? What's the most valuable content that we can have him work on? You know, it'd be great to get a hundred videos a week, but that's not realistic. So um, how do we prioritize that to our, our major sports that are going to draw eyeballs and then our key moments in other sports. So um, obviously that person in that position works a lot on football content for, you know, regular season. Obviously those videos do the most numbers for us, but also we want to be cognizant of working across all sports as well. So that position um, and internships that we've created as well in video um, are able to cover all of our conference championship events, have a video presence for every conference championship. So that um, is really kind of that marquee moment for us in the conference office. And we want to make sure we're capitalizing on that, capturing those moments, and then being able to post that and use it on, on our accounts. And then we've got one question for you, Sam. Um, someone is asking, have you done any work with paper programs at games versus digital programs? I haven't just, you know, being in the conference office is a little different than, than being on campus. I do think, you know, there has been a, a large transition over to digital programs. I think um, that's probably more of a, I would say, because you're still going to have to create the digital program, it's probably not going to save you a, a significant amount of time to do it digitally versus paper. So I think it's probably more a discussion of, you know, the budgetary, you know, realities of what's it's costing you to 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 have a paper program versus a digital program. Um, just because from a staff perspective, if you're still creating the digital version, it's probably taking a similar amount of staff time um, to to make that happen. Awesome. Um, we'll circle over to Chris Jones now um, and kind of seeing the the different 
things that worked and didn't work on the professional side of sports? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been with the club for around two years now. Um, before this, I was in the advertising agency world, but uh, those two things are completely different, but something that's similar about them is the amount of stakeholders you have that you communicate with and that you're um, sharing results with, um, whether that's clients, partners, sponsors, different departments within the organization. Um, one thing that's really important is telling the story of how content works, maybe what didn't work, why we think that happened. Um, like I said, there are so many departments for professional sports specifically. There's the video team, there's the graphic design team, there's the partnerships team, ticketing, marketing, and everything sort of has a social aspect to it. So you need to help um, sort of develop a content strategy, a social strategy for those stakeholders. What is maybe something that we've done in the past that didn't work? Uh, for example, we do a lot of work with our partners, our sponsors. A lot of our sponsors come with sponsored content. Uh, that we have to produce weekly, monthly. Um, one thing that I think we were doing before I arrived here is we weren't really putting a story behind the partnership content. We were just sort of putting our, their logo next to ours and it wasn't really engaging our fans. Um, so we took that, we took the results, we took the analytics, we said, hey, this is not performing, here are the impressions, here's the low engagement rate. We think it would be better for us, for our content. We get more engagement, but also the partners get um, more engagement, they get more eyes on their content um, through telling a story, whether it's including the players or the clubs, uh, whether it's including highlights, different parts of the match, or whether it's telling our player story off the field. We've seen that perform a lot better. Um, that's something that we took to them, took to our partnerships team, took to our partners, show them the data, show them the analytics, show them what's not performing well. Here's how we think we can do that better. Here's how we involve the video team. Here's how we involve the creative team. There's a lot of different stakeholders that we communicate with. And from a social perspective, we can't just say something like, we think the social content looks cool. Let's just run with it. We need to show that it's performing. We need to speak up to our, our heads of the departments. We need to speak up to our owners and our partners. We need to have a reason why we're doing this content, why it's working, why we think it will work, what's engaging our fans, what's engaging our stakeholders, our partners, what's getting eyes on their content. It's so important for us to have that story and to have the data behind it. Um, and we've seen a huge difference with both communication from different departments, especially inside video creative. They're creating so much different content for our club on a daily basis. They want to know what's working and what's not and how they can sort of tune how they create their content for us. Um, I think they appreciate having that story told for them. Um, so they're not just sort of putting their content into a void and posting it and seeing maybe just it's not working. Uh, they appreciate having the story told to them of why we think it did work, why we think it didn't work, and how we can move forward. So professional sports, like I said, there's a lot of different stakeholders that you communicate with. From a social perspective, we have to have our numbers. We have to have our, our data. We have to have our explanation of why content is working, what's engaging our fan base, what's engaging our followers what's engaged or what's growing our followers, what's growing our fan base. That's really important. We can't just come to them and say, like, we did the social content because we think it looks cool. We have to have the story behind it. Um, and Chris, have you heard any sort of response from your fans that when you've changed things, you've had a bigger engagement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one thing we've focused on um, in my time here is making everything or 
close to everything player focused because that's who our fans care about um, whether it's on instagram using the collaborator tool to share highlights or stories of them off the field collaborating with our players that really grows our engagement grows their brand grows our followers um, our fans really care about our players they could care less about um, some other content we produce but if it's player focused and it's player centric especially players that are performing well it's really going to engage our fans um, obviously a huge part of professional sports is results driven so that's going to infect engagement but as long as we're putting our players first we're putting our club first we're doing stuff that's going to engage the fans like that's what we need to focus on um, so making everything player focused making everything visually appealing making sure everything has a story and something that's going to excite the fans or interest the fans, get them to stop scrolling through their feeds. Um, that Those are the things we need to focus on. Awesome. Um, we'll kind of jump into the, the side of how to introduce these concepts to departments that aren't quite using data analytics for social media um, and how to kind of go about that. So Felicia, if you kind of want to speak about um, for schools and departments who aren't using these tools yet, how to, how to go about starting that. Um, sure. Um, I would say for us, in the beginning, we were really only tracking our main athletic account. Um, we had individual team accounts um, on every platform for our sports, and um, our department has around 30 sports, so that was a lot of accounts. And so to not have um, an, a third party collecting that data for us was definitely overwhelming. Like an individual, it would just be too much for somebody to do that by hand. So we were just tracking just the main account. Now with the transition, we wanted to be more intentional about growing all of the audiences on all of our accounts and sending that, um, that content specific to those sports, to those accounts for those fans. And so um, that was the main reason we, we decided to go with Sprout Social because it it had the ability to collect the data from all of those accounts for us so that um, we could be intentional about what we were posting, what time we were posting it, um, and be intentional about what the fans for each of those sports really wanted to see, because it's different for every sport. And, um, and we found in the last year, you know, some sports like pictures more and some of our sports like the reels and the videos more, but we would have never known that without the data. So it's definitely important to, um, to start collecting it and using it so that you can be intentional about it, especially in a department like ours with a ton of sports. Um, just working smarter and not harder um, goes a long way. Awesome. Um, I don't see if we have any more questions, but if uh, Chris, Sam, or Felicia, if you have any other statements about um, this topic that you feel like you want to share or anything that we missed, um, feel free to, to share your closing statements. If you have any. Yeah, um, just really quick. I think um, from the pro sports side, um, we have a lot of tools that we use that the league uses, but um, for any organization or for any platform. We have so many different channels that we just use um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, analytics itself. So it can really be done and that can help really change your story or tell your story. So um, it can be done in a lot of different ways. We've used Sprout Social before and we've really enjoyed that. Um, we can also get a lot of good stuff from the platforms itself uh, in terms of what's engaging your fans, what's getting them to interact with your platforms or your channels um engaging with your content 
Awesome. We have one question in the chat. Um, this is more directed towards college programs um, and leagues. They asked, do you feel that you brought your alumni back to the programs um, with these data projects? I think they're asking in terms of, have you seen a lot of alumni interaction with changing your social media platforms and strategies? I can jump in, Eliza. I think, um, you know, maybe not necessarily we didn't target alumni, but I do think we have a, a relevant example of this in the Sun Belt. We we added four new members uh, last year. So one of our goals was to kind of bring those four fan bases into the fold of the Sun Belt um, with realignment. So um, we were very cognizant of, you know, obviously on the first day having a whole campaign, but then throughout the whole first year, really celebrating all of those firsts that those programs had in the Sun Belt, whether it was their first conference championship or um, a first matchup of, you know, reuniting some rivals that we were able to do with these teams that came into the Sun Belt. So I think um, we are very cognizant of how do we um, attract those fan bases to our platforms um, during that key period of kind of their, you know, A, when they were announced as, you know, members that were going to be joining um, which was maybe six to eight months prior to when they actually joined the Sun Belt, and then for that entire first year um, that they were within the Sun Belt, how do we attract those fan bases? And I think it did energize those fan bases. I think one of the um, things that we've been able to see is really it energized our other fan bases as well. Um, it, it was kind of a newfound energy around the entire conference, um, just based on kind of those those rivalries we were able to reunite. Um, the regional footprint that we have and and that we committed to here in the Sun Belt, um, and then just kind of attempting to use those things, those themes of our conference um, to lead our social media um, and to be part of our strategy um, as we invited those new members in. We have a, a few more questions. Someone uh, asked, how do you balance time spent on the analytics versus doing the actual work? I can jump in and start. I think, um, you know, like Chris said, and like Felicia said, you know, it is a commitment to, you know, keep up with these analytics, especially if you're kind of just starting out and doing it by hand, which I've certainly, you know, I started my career in the NAI level. So I certainly have, have done these things by hand, have not had the budget to have, you know, something like a Sprout Social that we do have at the Sun Belt now. Um, so I definitely can understand that. And I think, um, it really depends how deep you want to go into the analytics. You know, certainly um, there's layers to it and you can start with simply kind of tracking, you know, on a month to month basis or a certain type of content that you're trying to really analyze and evaluate. Is this something we want to continue doing or do more of? Um, so I think that's where I would start is, hey, maybe you're not tracking every single post or tracking every single thing on every single platform, but it's, hey, did we have a good month? Why did we have a good month? Or if we're trying to, you know, look at expanding a certain, you know, type of preview graphic or whatever it might be, looking at those specific things that you're, you know, considering either changing or discontinuing or doing more of, I mean, focusing in on those, because there's probably certain pieces that that no matter what the data says, you're probably going to do anyway, um, whether that's just the expectation of the fan base or the athletic director um, or whoever your boss may be. Um, so then it's really is those things that the margins that you would consider changing are probably the things that are most um, important to track because those are the things where you can have that impact. And then we have a follow-up question to that. What are some of the metrics that you focus on specifically? Um, and what are some of the metrics that you have found that are easily improved upon? 
I can jump in there. Um, we focus on engagement, um, total engagement and follower growth. I think for the Red Bulls, someone who's a club who's trying to continue to grow and grow our fan base. Um, engagement, who are we engaging? Um, how much are we engaging them with a piece of content? And how are we growing our followers? How are we growing our follower base? Especially on platforms like TikTok, which is such an opportunity platform for us. Uh, follower growth is a huge part of how we um, view success, how we view how well our content is performing. Um, we're obviously relatively new on a platform like TikTok, which is relatively new. So it's definitely a platform where that follower growth is more exponential than say a Twitter. Um, so for a platform like TikTok, we look at follower growth. We saw this amount of followers added um, when we posted this piece of content. Um, you can see like we see from our analytics and how we view TikTok as a platform. When we look at when we piece of, post a piece of content, 95% of the people who were looking at that content, they aren't following us yet. So we're just talking to TikTok. Um, we're growing that follower base. Um, the content that performs well, we grow a lot of followers. So we look at what's performing well. When we posted this, we grew this amount of followers. And then just for platforms like Instagram, Twitter, we're looking at engagement. Um, those are the platforms where we're talking to our core fans. So how are we engaging them? Um, when we collaborate with our players, we usually see a high number, a high amount of engagement just because our fans love our players. Um, we really don't focus on impressions. We like to focus on the engagement and the follower growth. Those are the two, for a club like us, those are the two main ones that we focus on. Awesome. And then we have a couple of questions for Felicia about Sprout. Um, so they're asking if you could share a few examples of the analytics that Sprout provides um, and if there are any free analytic services that either Sprout offers or that are available out there as well. Um, so the main thing with Sprout is it collecting all of your data from all of the different platforms and putting it in one place for you to view them. And so it's not that it's giving you any different analytics than any individual platform can give you. It's the convenience of having it all in one place housed together. And um, as far as free options go, um, if you have, like, I would advise everybody, if your accounts aren't business accounts, to switch them to business accounts. Because at that point, you will have access to the analytics within those platforms, because each platform does give you analytics. Um, Instagram does, Facebook does, they all, they, those two operate within the meta business suite that you have access to, and you can um, pull analytics from there. Um, TikTok is the same. If you have a business account, you have access to analytics within TikTok with your account. And um, so those are some free options. It's more labor intensive to have to go to each individual platform and pull those analytics. So I would definitely advise, um, advise people to hone in on what they're really looking for before they just start digging through each platform's analytics because it can be overwhelming for an individual in a department of one trying to figure out what to do and what to focus on. And so um, I would just break it up into pieces throughout the season, maybe each season, each sports season, look at how your analytics were and what performed well and maybe try to apply it to the winter if you're looking at the fall and things like that. And just try to break it up into small pieces so you're not so overwhelmed with all the data because it is a lot, honestly. And then they were also wondering what the estimated cost of using Sprout is. 
um, for the version that we use, um, it's $3.99 a month. So it's definitely not, not anything cheap. Um, and like I said, we don't have the most expensive package, but, um, but we decided it was needed with the amount of sports we have and the amount of accounts of accounts we were trying to manage for us to be able to do it effectively. And we were able to have that money in our budget to move forward with it. Uh, we also have a question uh, focusing for more on the smaller schools. Um, what is your biggest piece of advice or takeaway um, for the data analytics for smaller schools and one person departments, like you mentioned? Um, my advice would maybe be to just focus on maybe just one main account for all of your teams. If you're a one, one man shop or a one woman shop, um, it, it's hard to manage multiple accounts for multiple sports when you're a, just one person in a department. So, um, so in situations like that, it may be best to just focus on one main account for your athletic department, honestly, and be able to really analyze the data from that and focus in on what is performing well to help grow your overall department's brand awareness across the board. Uh, another question we had, um, so with the ever-changing social media algorithms and how different they are across all the platforms, uh, how often do you evaluate your analytics and strategies um, with all those changes? I can jump in. I'm like Felicia. I think Felicia mentioned just a bit ago. I think kind of seasonally is probably um, an appropriate approach here in college sports. I think, you know, we come into the academic year with our plan of what we're hoping to do, um, but we certainly evaluate that kind of seasonally as we go through the fall sports season, see what's working is something different than maybe we had had thought um, during during the fall sports to then, you know, maybe change that when we get to the winter sports season. Um, I think that is part of that that balancing act between doing the actual work and doing the data analytics is, you know, certainly I, I try to keep up with kind of what's going on with our analytics on a more consistent basis, but changing our entire strategy off of, you know, one week or something like that um, wouldn't be something we'd want to do. So I think we kind of look at it on that kind of seasonal um, sports calendar that we're on in college sports and, and make adjustments there. And then I think one of our last questions in terms of looking at the metrics, um, which metric do you see as kind of just a metric that's unimportant, not really something that you should pay attention to, but that's out there a lot and you can kind of push to the side? Yeah, I can jump in there. Uh, like I mentioned before, we really don't track impressions as a notable metric um, when we're telling our story of what's working, what's not. Um, we really track engagement, how many people are engaging with their fans, how many, how many people are actually stopping and engaging with our content instead of just seeing our content for two seconds and swiping by. We don't really get much value from that. So I would say impressions is more, more of that white noise versus engagement, follower growth, engagement rate, that kind of stuff. Awesome. And then the last question, it looks like um, back to Sprout. Um, have you seen any other platforms out there that are similar to Sprout that are a little bit more cost effective? Um, Felicia, if you want to take that. Um, sure. Um, I'm not sure 
that they're more cost effective. Um, they're all expensive or can be expensive depending on what your budget is. Um, but when we were comparing, we looked at Sprout Social and we looked at um, Hootsuite's options. And for us, um, Sprout was the most cost effective for us. I'm not sure about the others. Awesome. Um, well, if there's no more questions, um, do you, Felicia, Chris, or Sam have anything um, that you wanna to touch on before we end this webinar? Okay, perfect. Um, well, we'd like to give a big thanks to our presenters today for the discussion and insights on social media analytics and strategies to collect important data to support your content and branding efforts. Again, the webinar will be on demand later today, so share that information with your colleagues. We encourage you to check out our website, collegesportscommunicators.com, for updated information on what's on tap for CSE programming and continuing education. In November, we will return to our statistics and stat rules series by hosting a live webinar on basketball stats and stat rules. That date will be announced later. Uh, more webinars to come in November and December, so stay tuned for those dates and topics to be announced. Uh, thanks again for tuning in today.